Recovery Elevator, episode 249. I also knew that I could not drink this away. It was too big. I had to do things differently, and alcohol was no longer welcome in my life. Welcome to the Recovery Elevator podcast. My name is Paul Churchill. Thank you so much for joining us. On today's podcast, we've got Lauren. She's 38 years old. She's from Sharon, Massachusetts, and she took her last drink on November 17th, 2018. In her interview, she talks about how she didn't know how she was going to not drink. Does this sound familiar to anyone? Well, thank you, Lauren, for the prompt. I'll be expanding more on this shortly. But first, we've got two spots left for the Recovery Elevator Asia Adventure Sober Travel Trip to Thailand and Cambodia taking place this January 20th to 31st, 2020. You still got time to get things lined up. This trip is conveniently going to take place when it's freezing cold in North America. So on this 12-day trip, we fly into Bangkok, check out this incredible city, and then head north to the jungles of Thailand, where we will be visiting a place called Elephant World and a beautiful national park. We then make our way into Cambodia, where we check out Angkor Wat and some of the world's most impressive archaeological sites. This trip is going to be fun. We've got powerful recovery workshops built in, and you're going to meet others who prioritize exploring and seeing sites over drinking. Go to recoveryelevator.com for the full itinerary and details. Recovery Elevator is going down under. What does that mean? I'm putting two meetups together in Australia. I've heard so many times how cool that place is, so I just decided to go check it out. So we're going to be doing a meetup in Sydney on Saturday, December 14th at the Surf Fish Cafe at Bondi Beach, followed by some additional activities. And then I've got another one scheduled, still working out some of the details, in the Brisbane, sorry if I said that wrong, Gold Coast area on Saturday, December 21st. I do need a head count, so if you'd like to attend, please email info at recoveryelevator.com and Carrie will get you on the list as well as more information of where to meet and when. So if you're within a couple hours or check some flights and want to just come for the day, please do so. These meetups are so much fun, and I know I've got a good chunk of listeners in Australia. Thank you so much for listening, all you guys down there, and I want to meet you in person. So I'm guessing we're going to have anywhere from 10 to 15 to 20 people, and it's just going to be fun. Okay, let's get started. First off, you've got a great opportunity coming up this Thursday, Thanksgiving, and it's time to make it through a holiday that is contemporaneous with drinking. It's time to make it through again without the alcohol, or now it's the time to break the cycle and begin a new pattern. Guys, I'm right here with you. You can do this. You are doing this. Okay, so back to what Lauren said. She didn't know how she wasn't going to drink, but she did know why she no longer wanted to drink, but it was the how that kept tripping her up. This is common. It's the how that prevents many of us from even starting. So I know this is resonating with a lot of listeners right now, and I've got good news. Don't worry about the how. Don't worry about how you're going to quit drinking, as in what sort of sequence or steps or pathways to take to quit drinking. Because once the why is clearly defined, the how always solves itself. So if you're in the thick of it, on the hamster wheel, riding shotgun on the self-loathing wagon, keep reminding yourself of why you no longer want the booze in your life. If you're feeling that unease in your gut right now, which we sometimes call anxiety, put all your attention into that area and say, this is why I don't want to drink anymore. But it has to first be said with a thank you, such as, thank you anxiety for showing me why I no longer want to drink. If you're struggling to get out of bed right now, and I know there are listeners tuning in at this very moment who find themselves in this situation, or were there earlier in the day, that are wondering where the Herculean effort will come from just to put the two feet on the ground, dial your attention and effort into where you're feeling blanketed by the weight and say, thank you for showing me why I want to make a change in my life. And let's start with ditching the booze. And real quick, if you are in bed right now or in a closet or in your basement 
or in the break room where you don't know where you're going to find the effort to make it through in life without the booze, I just want to say you're okay. I've been there. Many of us have been there. You're okay. And we are going to get through this. Okay. So this has to be said with a thank you because it cannot be a fight or a war on the booze or the softball sized lump of shame and guilt in your solar plexus. When we come from a place of praise, we then tap into the Tai Chi of things and use the force of the intense, uncomfortable emotion we are feeling this very moment in our favor. You can either stand in front of a fully loaded dump truck and take it to the grill, or you can let it carve a trail for you. Does this make sense? Do you dig? So what I'm getting at, and I know this may be incomprehensible at the moment, is that the intense, uncomfortable emotions that you may be feeling right now are messengers that will guide you away from the alcohol, the shit, the groundhog day of self-hatred. If you need help coming up with the why, well, most likely you've got an Encyclopedia Britannica of evidence behind you. It could be the intense emotional dips, depression, anxiety, letting yourself down, letting your spouse down, your dog, wasted vacations, unused gym memberships, didn't mow the lawn even once last summer, the texts or phone calls you wish you never made. I think it's safe to assume, since you're listening to the Recovery Elevator podcast instead of This American Life, you've got a damn good why of the why, and it's time to let it work in your favor. For most, this why is a Ferrari in the garage with no gas in it. Let's make this why work for you and start revving the engines. Once this why, which previously was a bunch of fragmented thoughts, experiences, and memories, is placed together in a coherent energy, then it can start working in your favor. So real quick, side note, people email me and ask me in person all the time how to quit drinking. And guys, this episode, this is a big one. Okay, so we've clearly defined the why of why we don't want to drink, but now it's time to sweeten up the why or the reason we want to quit drinking. We now know why we don't want to drink. When we drink, we experience pain, shame, depression, blah. But another why needs to be defined, which requires more intensity and focus than the previous why. And that's the life you want to live. For example, the reason why I'm ditching the booze is I want to be me again. I want to enjoy Thanksgiving dinner and not run to the basement to sneak beers. I want to feel inner peace regardless of what life is throwing at me. I want to be happy. So there are two whys that need defining. One why is the life we don't want to live, and then the more important why is the new life we do want to live, which doesn't contain alcohol. So here's what we do next. We take the two whys, the why of the bullshit from drinking and the why for a better life. We then come up with an image of what we want our new life to look like. I want you to sit with this image in silence for five minutes each day. Now, come on, guys. It's only five minutes of silence with this image. You can do this. Start by saying thank you to the first why, which is the catalyst to the change, the pain and suffering. And then after about 30 seconds, start focusing on the second why, which is the image of your new life. This can be on a beach, a mountaintop view, a vacation with your family, or you relaxing in your backyard with lemonade. Do your absolute best to raise your energy or imagine how it would feel to be there already. If you do this long enough and you may start to see results after just a few weeks, then the how shows up. It always does. Now, there are two ways the how can show up. Number one, that's matter changing matter. That's thinking ourselves out of addiction. That's been the bread and butter for addiction treatment for, well, forever. Now, you've heard me say you can't think yourself out of this. And let me make a correction with that. It's possible, but not likely. And it's going to be painful and take a lot of time. I'm talking years, maybe decades. So I encourage you to take a different approach. And this episode 249 is a big one because this represents where Recovery Elevator is going. Okay, so the second way the how shows up and is much less painful is when it's pulled to you like a magnet. And then it happens for you. So this dude named Einstein said, it's the quantum field that instructs matter. It's this invisible web of energy, which we all live in, that gives direction and information to matter, which is you. 
you are energy vibrating at a frequency low enough that you appear as solid matter. So when we sit in silence for five minutes, and guys, this is only 300 seconds, with a clear image of why we are quitting drinking, and this has to be the image of the happier you, then the field will start to align with this future goal. In addition, energies, experiences, people and places that are not an energetic match with this direction will go away. And if sitting for five minutes each day is too difficult, I know it was for me when I first started this journey, then here are some more great ways to declare the why. Say it to yourself in front of the mirror. Scream it into a pillow. Tell it to your neighbor's dog. Yell it to the Big Dipper. It doesn't matter, but you have to set the intention and clearly define the why, and then sit back and let it happen. Yes, let it happen. That's correct. Let it happen, as in stop trying to control the outcome of how you quit drinking. Your pathway into a happy, alcohol-free life will come in a way you could have never imagined. Mine came in podcast format. Your journey won't look like any of the sober Instagram accounts you follow, nor mine. I can guarantee you that. It's going to be a beautiful, custom plan detailed specifically for you. Your new life, one without alcohol, anxiety, depression, inflammation, shame, and guilt, will start to show up. But I need five minutes of your day. Can you promise me that? Okay, let's do it. So I've been working on these techniques for months now, but I've waited to cover these concepts and ideas with you until I had firsthand experience and a better grasp of how this works. And guys, the results are in. So get ready, Recovery Elevator. This is gonna be a wild and fun ride. If you're wondering what we do at Recovery Elevator Retreats, we do similar things to what I just discussed. We're going to be doing this exercise on the Asia Adventure trip while watching the sunrise or sunset in a Cambodian jungle, collectively throwing the why out to whomever or whatever, regardless of what your why is at this point of your journey. It's powerful stuff. These trips are life-changing. Okay, and before we hear from Lauren, let's hear from my favorite resource, Cafe RE. The three most important lessons I've learned while quitting drinking are, we can't do this alone, we need accountability, and a supportive community is key. In the private unsearchable Facebook groups Cafe RE, you're going to get all three and much more. What does private mean? Well, these groups are unsearchable on Facebook. Who's in the group and what is said can only be seen by members. You get 24-7 access to a group full of others whose priority it is to ditch the booze. These groups are capped at under 350 members to ensure quality connection. In Cafe RE, you'll find that quitting drinking doesn't have to suck. In fact, it can be a lot of fun. For $19 a month, you too can join the conversation, be paired with an accountability partner, attend educational online webinars, online meetups, attend in-person meetups, participate in book club, movie club, and much more. Oh yeah, you'll also get discounts to retreats and sober travel trips. Go to recoveryelevator.com and use the promo code OPPORTUNITY to waive the setup fee. I hope to see you there. Lauren, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing, Paul? Lauren, I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Let's get right into this. Lauren, when was your last drink? November 17th, 2018. Nice job. How does that feel? Feels good. It feels good. All right. Uh, <laughs> We're going to get all into this, how you did it, your story, what propelled you forward into an alcohol-free life. I cannot wait to get into this. But uh, before we go there, let's give listeners a little background about yourself. Tell us where you're from your age, you have a family, and what do you like to do for fun? I am 38 years old. I live in Sharon, Massachusetts. I am adjunct faculty at a university in Boston in their School of Social Work. I am married. I have three children. And fun is currently a work in progress, which is awesome. But my standard of go-tos are spending time outside, seeing live music, hanging out with friends. There we go. How has seeing live music changed or how is it different without alcohol? I'm actually seeing the music. I'm not standing at a crowded bar. I just am more present. It's actually more of an experience uh, than it ever has been. I saw Steve Aoki. Have you heard of Steve Aoki? 
No. All right. He's like this. He's like a like a techno DJ. I was in Guatemala and I saw this this, this flyer for Steve Aoki was playing. He's got that song in Pursuit of Happiness on the Project X soundtrack. And you're right. I was there in Guatemala. I was like two years away from alcohol. I was like, holy shit, this is the best concert in my entire life. And none of that would have happened. You're right. Like you said, other concerts, I'm just at the bar. You know, you miss your spot near the stage. Yeah, good stuff. Well, Lauren, give listeners background about your drinking. Talk to us about when you started, uh, when it ramped up, the progression, how much you drank. Did you, well, we all try to moderate. So just tell us how you tried to moderate and, and cover any, any rock bottom moments and try to give us some some ages or some dates so we can uh, be up to speed chronologically. I'm excited to hear it, Lauren. All right. Alcohol set up shop in my life while I was attending the University of Massachusetts at Amherst. Uh, UMass is often referred to as the zoo, and I made it live up to that reputation and then some. I graduated in 2003 and returned to the Boston area. Living by the words, work hard, play hard, I began establishing a career. As I was nearing the completion of my master's in social work in 2007 at Simmons College, I came across a binge drinking scale in an addictions course. I looked it over and quickly realized that I had passed all of the female scales and I was binge drinking like a man. Uh, this was the first time. Wait, when you say passed, not like green light, you're good to go. You're not binge drinking. Mean like you passed, like you oh, are. Passed, like consumption was so high. Gotcha. Criteria so just, met. Yeah, and that is the first time that I felt in my gut that something might be wrong. But here's the thing: as amazing as the human mind is, it completely worked against me here because I was so guarded and disconnected. I didn't let this information in. I just pushed it away. I completely ignored that important bodily cue. So hang, hang on. So how did you push it away? Because I recall my, I think it was my, yeah, it was my sophomore year in, in college. I, I took a, like an online alcohol assessment test and you're right. Like at that moment, like half of them were check, check, check. Yes, you do. But I, my mind found a way to quickly justify, well, I'm in college. Well, you know, I'm on a football team. Well, you know, this, well, 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 well. How did you do that? I think it's just because I was young. I was like, oh, well, I'm having fun. You know, it's just because I'm going out and I just let it go. It never, never got in. It wasn't even like I was making excuses. I just really wrote it off. Was, were there issues? Like, was it causing problems in your life at that time? <sighs> At this point, I wouldn't say a ton. Um, I no, I mean, I was getting things done. I still felt good. You know, I was doing well in my job. I was doing well in school. So there were no really big flags yet. Gotcha. So you're at the zoo. You take a self-assessment binge drinking test. You meet the criteria. Take it from there. Oh, yeah. No, that actually was at Simmons College. The zoo, I didn't even reflect on myself. I just went hard. Gotcha. So now we're up to 2009, um, and this is when I meet my wife um, and her two sons. Uh, something about her fiercely drew me in, but also terrified me at the same time, uh, but in a really good way. Uh, it's because she challenged me. Uh, she made me feel like I was worth the risk that comes with any relationship. I started to see a life that I wanted, so I made some changes in terms of my drinking. We were married in 2011. Wait, talk to me about, about, about those changes that you made. I just toned it down a little bit, uh, naturally, sort of. Not naturally, but because she had children. You know, it, we were doing more things that were family-focused. It wasn't just, you know, going out all the time. Was this per request of your partner? Uh, no, I think it just kind of happened. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, we're married in 2011. I become the fourth parent in what is a complex family system. Um, and at this point, the progression of my drinking, it's just, it's pushing on. Um, alcohol is starting to take up more and more space in my life. So the drinking continues. Then there was a hard stop uh, for pregnancy. I gave birth to our daughter in 2013. Even though there was this break in my drinking, things really picked up right where I left off. Um, I guess maybe in my mind, I had hoped that a little 
time and space away from alcohol would naturally create some sort of moderation. But that absolutely was not the case. So after the the hard stop in 2013, um, it picked up right where you left off. Is that, is that what I'm hearing? Yep. Gotcha. Were you surprised by that or were you expecting like a gradual ramp up? I was a bit surprised. Yeah, I guess it would be more gradual. Or like phase out of your life. Hey, I just yeah. had a child. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. So what happens next? Uh, so I am a stay-at-home mom, and my drinking completely escalates. Uh, this wasn't because I was isolated. I joined a local mom's club. Sup, Sharon Moms? Uh, <laughs> we were active. We filled our days. We had fun. We played. I absolutely love this time in my life, and I really didn't think I had a drinking problem because I wasn't drinking during the day. That was completely wrong. Uh, the trouble with drinking for me was that it had now become a reward. I really felt like I earned it. Like, I just mommed so hard. Like, you know, we did the tot lot. We did this. We did that. Like, you know, I can put them back now. And my relationships really started suffering. I was blacking out more regularly. Uh, and clearly, at this point, addiction had the upper hand. Gotcha. And was this a realization you had at the moment? Or is this something like we're looking now back at it like, yeah, addiction had the upper hand. But when it when you were in the in the grips of it, did you know it at the time? No, it's all looking back. Gotcha. Similar thread with me. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. OK, so when did you start to realize when did the writing on the wall became become more clear? Yeah, uh, well, I mean, really, the next this sort of I continued in this space for a while um, and then. November 20th, 2018, uh, we got a phone call. It's the one that no matter how terrible your life is going, you never imagine that you will receive. My stepson exited his car on a busy roadway and was struck by an oncoming vehicle. Oh, wow. Uh, we would soon learn that the injuries were far too significant. Uh, there was no course of treatment. We were just uh, preparing ourselves to say goodbye. And in this moment, it felt like every emotion that I had doused in alcohol over the last 20 years in an attempt to feel just suddenly turned on. And did you say November 20th, 2018? Correct. And so this is three days after you take your last drink. Correct. Okay. And you're preparing to say goodbye to your stepson and all these emotions that you have put in different crevices and all your body pushed down for life, they're coming up. Wow. Okay. What happened? Yeah, I next? didn't know that was my last drink. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Yeah. I mean, I feel like something was already in the works a little bit, the universe or what have you, because it was honestly uh, pretty, you know, unusual that I hadn't been drinking at a Tuesday evening by seven PM. Sure. Sure, sure. Well, let's let's actually go back a little bit. What do you was there a rock bottom moment before the seventeenth, or, or any was anything like reaching a precipice? No, I mean my marriage was suffering. You know, there was I knew it was a problem, but I was nowhere near a point of action. Gotcha. Okay, so what happens on November twentieth? So yeah, those emotions I somehow allowed them in fully. I completely allowed myself to break. And in that hospital room, I was unexplainably present. I was present for him. I was present for my wife. I was present for his brother and for myself in a way that I couldn't even have imagined. And as the hours passed, I began noticing alongside all this pain and sadness, there was something profoundly beautiful happening. I felt gratitude. And when I say I felt gratitude, it was in every fiber of my body. I was grateful to have had him in my life all this time because addiction could have taken him years ago. Um, something could have happened to me. We never know. I was grateful that I never hurt anybody with my car all the times that I was fine to drive home. I was so grateful that I was sober in this worst moment of our lives. And I was grateful to have this time with him on life support. 
Can you drill a little deeper when you said you were present for those in the room and what did that quality feel like? I just felt everything. It, it was overwhelming to be perfectly honest. And it wasn't just emotions. It was a bodily sensation. Um, it sometimes felt honestly like I was spinning. I didn't even know what to do with my body in space. I kept like moving my hands in weird ways because I guess maybe that's just intense emotion that I had never allowed to happen. So sometimes what happens here, and I'm interested to hear your take on this, is when those emotions come to the surface with such intensity that have been bottled up for so long, we actually aren't able to label them. And when we experience these emotions without the labels, then there is no good, there is no bad, and then this sense of gratitude comes up. Is this something that you can relate to maybe? 100%. I didn't even try to label it. I just let everything go. Yeah. And that is an incredible life teacher for all emotions moving forward. There was so much, you you weren't able to label them. You just allowed them to come and fill us in what happens next. I mean, it was over the course um, of hours, but really where the drinking wraps in, I just held his hand and I told him how sorry I was. Um, I told him I would take care of his mom and his siblings I told him I would do better, I was gonna be better, and I knew that I couldn't do any of that if I was drinking alcohol. I also knew that I could not drink this away. It was too big. I had to do things differently, and alcohol was no longer welcome in my life. You mentioned something beautiful was happening in that room. And Lauren, you're doing great. Listeners, we can see each other face to face. You can hear it, this is still, it's an emotional it's an emotional moment in Lauren's life and she's tearing up and uh, you're doing awesome Lauren thank you so much for sharing this with us this is powerful and um, you're doing fantastic thanks Paul I didn't know how I was going to not drink because I didn't really have time to plan it um, and all of this uh, was happening on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving so we wake up and it's Thanksgiving Um, I don't know about all families, but I know in our family uh, that involves alcohol. And I made it through the meal, um, and then it was dessert, and I just told my wife, I think I have to go to a meeting. Um, And I just evac'd out of there because I could feel something something building. So I just hopped on my phone and was like, hey, hey, near me, or like, (laughs) I don't even know what. Lauren, real, real quick, you, you mentioned before we hit record, when your stepson passed, there was something, some sort of energy in the room. Can you, can you comment on that for a bit? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, in an attempt to really get my head around everything, um, I was doing uh, more writing than I really have in years. Um, and I just kept writing in my journal, like electric, like it felt electric. I don't know if it was a deep love or if it was in that moment before his passing, but there I could just feel this energy that I had never felt before. It made me really just see life completely differently. And in that moment, I was not going to waste another minute of my life. And that's what I was doing drinking. I was wasting my life. And Lauren, before we get to when you went to your phone and found that meeting, uh, I just want to comment. I love how you said you didn't know how I wasn't not going to drink. I think I said that right. Um, And if you've heard me say this on the podcast, guys, is the why is infinitely more important than the how. And you just laid down the why that alcohol, there was no more room for it in your life. Um, And that became clear through this process where all the emotions are bubbling to the surface without a label for the first time, probably in a long time, the the why was clearly defined. And you just said, I didn't know how I was going to do this. And on a day in your family, hey, Lauren, my family too, (laughs) and a lot of other families in America, it's a drinking holiday. You knew that it wasn't going to happen. And the how solved itself. Something in your body said, you know what? Um, Right around time when dessert and drinks start flowing hard, I need to change my environment. And pick it up from there. Yeah. And I drive to, you know, some remote church as often AA meetings are in. Um, And because it was Thanksgiving, the meeting wasn't happening. And this was such a pivotal moment because this is where the old me would have been like, I tried. And I just, (laughs) 
I just would have given up. But I got right back on my phone um, and I found another meeting. I went to it. Um, I lovingly refer to it as crying in Canton because all I did was cry. Um, it was a big book meeting. So that was a little confusing, um, the whole thing. But uh, in the discussion that followed, I 100% heard what I needed to hear. And what was that? It was just this woman's talking about sort of every excuse and line of BS she ever fed herself. And it was like I was speaking, you know, the whole, oh, I'll just eat more next time. You know, I never was like, oh, it's because I just had eight Tito's. No, it's because I didn't eat or I need to drink more water or it's just it was all excuses. There we go. And as I said, when the why is clearly defined, we're going to find ourselves in situations where we can focus on the similarities and no longer the differences. Yeah. And, and what happens after that? Uh, so I just stuck it out with AA. Uh, to be honest, um, I am still working the steps. Uh, I think there is great value to the steps. I also uh, really appreciate that AA showed me vulnerability at a time when my emotions were so confusing and big and I, it just gave a space where I felt like I could have all my emotions. So if nothing else, I think that was really an important place for me to have. Sure. And what was the first week, the first month like? How did the relationship change with your wife, with your family? How was life different for you after that? Yeah, it's hard really to even tease it out because just grief is so complex. Um, and those first days and weeks um, were so hard. But, you know, hands down, all relationships have improved. You know, I was able to be there, you know, in a way for my other children that I probably wouldn't have been able to, and especially my wife. You know, I feel like I have failed her in so many ways. But in this moment where she really needed me probably the most, I was able to be there. You know, it's like I was drinking to avoid discomfort. And like, here I am in a sea of discomfort. <laughs> but, you know, I got through it and, you know, emotions didn't kill me, you know. And did you have any cravings in those first couple months or how did you get past those? Honestly, I have to say there really weren't uh, many cravings. I just noticed the positives uh, so quickly. Uh, I mean, I started feeling so much better, just my energy level, the clarity in my thinking. Um, I just held on to all that and knew that if I were to drink, that would all be gone in an instant. And Lauren, have you been open with your decision to move forward in life without alcohol? For example, what have the reactions been when you tell people you no longer drink? Fairly positive, I would say. Um, I do, you know, love the term burning the ships. Uh, so I do try and do that every now and again. Um, and every time that I do, someone always reaches out in such a heartfelt way. Uh, even this week, we go to a Unitarian church in town. And they have this portion where they, uh, it's for joys and concerns. Uh, and I was feeling a little, little nervous about this interview. So I was like, well, let me just give it a go here. And uh, I told the congregation that I am in recovery. And for me, that means leaning into discomfort. And I'm going big. I'm doing this podcast. And I would like you all to hold me in your heart and think of me on Tuesday. Yeah, you're doing it, and you're doing it perfect, Lauren. I'm absolutely loving chatting with you right now. And listeners, I can see Lauren. We're doing this via Skype, and she's got so much color and light and joy in her face, and it's 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 contagious, Lauren. And, and listeners, I have had the pleasure um, – that's an understatement. I've had the pleasure of meeting Lauren in person. Um, she came to the retreat we had in Bozeman. And before we hit record, she showed me a sticker she got. Somebody got her at the airport that said, shit went down in Montana. Give us your take on that weekend. Or actually, give us the life synergies that happened before that was like a no-brainer decision. It's like, okay, I guess I have to go to this retreat. Yeah, so I had planned, you know, a family trip out west because we had never been out there. And it just so happened that I was already going to be in Montana when that Bozeman retreat was rolling around. So uh, even I couldn't miss that one. So <laughs> Yeah, you were at what, Glacier National Park, and then the dates aligned up perfectly after that. 
Um, and you showed up with like this, this backpack and a helmet. I'm like, what is going on here? <laughs> you told me, yeah, your trip I was like, oh, okay, that makes total sense. I pretty much had been in Montana for a month. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and what did you get out of the retreat? Was, uh, you know, what were some highlights for you? Oh gosh, it's still, um, hard to even put words to, uh, cause that is something that I would never have done before I had stopped drinking. Uh, the thought of going to meet essentially 70 strangers, I would never have done it. I wouldn't want to be uncomfortable, but it wasn't uncomfortable. It was amazing. As soon as we all were in that first space, it just had such a good vibe. And even meeting everyone at the airport, I just I felt really good going into it. The check-in process was a lot of fun, just seeing the smiles, and everybody's scared and uncomfortable, including myself. I'm, I haven't put on a ton of these retreats, but I love just giving, giving hugs and meeting people for the first time. Um, it was a special, special retreat. And, uh, and, and that brings us to the breathwork ceremony that closed out the retreat on Saturday night. And listeners, um, Britic, who I interviewed, I think around like the 150 or 160, he's a certified clarity breathwork practitioner. And we had a bunch of workshops and I was like, you know what? I think we're going to tie out this retreat with breath work. And so there was 70 of us that, that, uh, that were on a basketball court as the sun's going down and we brought our blankets and pillows down and breath work is where, um, you do circular breathing. We're not hyperventilating, but we're creating an oxygen rich environment in the body. And we breathe for about 60 to 70 minutes with a soundtrack with beautiful songs, um, and the breath is like, <sighs> if you can hear that, right? And so it's just, it's not fast breathing, but it's not slow breathing. It's deep inhalations. And, you know, for the first 10 minutes, people are getting the hang of it. And the practitioners are walking around and they're correcting our breath. And then people start to experience things. And some people are starting to blast off, shall we say. You start hearing people audibly um, talk about their experiences and all is welcome. It's, it's, it's with no judgment. Um, and with breath work, you're, you're, you can create a direct connection between the conscious and the unconscious mind. Um, it's a powerful, powerful tool. In fact, I, I highly recommend if, if I'm in a small town of about 35,000 people and I'm doing a breath work session this Friday. And so it could be a great resource to just Google breath work in whatever city you're in. And it's, it's a group setting. There's a lot of energy. It's a loving environment. Um, and talk to us about your experience with the breath work and what happened. Yeah, I'm so glad that I didn't know anything about breath work. Because I know previously I always had a hard time even meditating because my thoughts would just go wild. I'd be like, oh, I'm not doing it right. Like, this is whack. When's this going to be over? Uh, so I just follow the directions and I was breathing like they said and there were no thoughts I was amazed by that how quickly how quickly everything sort of just melted to the sides I noticed first that my hands they felt almost like I had cinder blocks on them like it all started in my hands it was this weird they felt so so super super heavy and then uh, I stuck with it for a while um, and then I felt a sensation that I thought Riddick had put his arm across me. Um, and then I heard something uh, to the effect of like, you're not, you're not alone. I'm right here with you. Keep breathing. And at that point, I just became really emotional and I started crying and that sort of broke my focus or I, I don't know what. And I just sat right up. And then Britta came over and he said, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. I was like, but wh what did you say? It was kind of hard to hear. What did you say? And he said, Ugh, I just said, are you okay? <laughs> I was like, no, before. And he just puts his hand on my shoulder and he's like, that wasn't me. Um, and it was amazing. Um, I really do believe that it was Michael. That's your stepson, right? Yeah, absolutely. And the person next to you said, did you put your hand on my hand or something? Right. Okay, the person next to me um, later, later in the evening, she said, I don't want to like creep you out or anything. She's like, but I really I felt someone step on my hand. And then I opened my eyes and there was nobody there. Wow. Take what you want of that. 
I know I am forever changed in so many ways um, from Bozeman. The breath work was really cool, and that was only a part of it. Um, I feel like the greatest takeaway for me was that for me, this really isn't about alcohol anymore. Uh, don't get me wrong. I am fully aware I cannot drink. If I drink, I will lose all of this. And, and I don't want to. Um, but it's really not about alcohol um, in the sense that there's so much to be done. I just feel like so much in my life has changed. I just see the world differently. I want so much more. Um, and I don't really, you know, it, not drinking obviously is the first step, but there is so much more out there. And Lauren, I completely agree. I was hanging out with Dusty, who I interviewed in episode 204 the other day, and we were recalling some memories from the retreat. And he goes, you know what? The retreat, of course, it was alcohol-focused. That's the first step. Like you said, that's that's the start. We don't have a chance to uncover this stuff if we're still drinking. But the retreat wasn't really about alcohol, and we chatted more about that. And like, yeah, it's really just the start. Um, and the, the beauty of breath work, it allows you to put your body in a state where simply the breath can move the energy, can release things that have been stored for a long time. And, and Lauren, I want to share a story with you as well as listeners. An incredible, it just, it, I can't explain it, the thinking mind can't, um, that happened with me in breath work. So sometimes in breath work, um, it can get scary. You can get a love bomb. You can get the cosmic joke, which happened a couple times where people just, you just start laughing, right? And you realize, okay, this thing called life is not that serious. Um, you can see visions, you can blast off and have full on mystical experiences. So that experience for me, I had one, I don't want to say the word vision, but I had one image. Let's go with image. One image kept showing up and it was myself. And I don't know if you guys know, but I got a dog named Ben. I'm kidding. Everybody knows. Um, so it was myself and my dog seated watching the sunset. I had a blue hat on backward and a white t-shirt and we're sitting on a yellow and red checkered blanket. Um, and the sun is about 45 minutes away from setting. And it wasn't in the forest. Uh, it was it, and it was like a field, but it wasn't completely dry. And there was like wheat or kind of bushes, probably a foot and a half to two feet tall, blowing in the wind. Not a lot of wind, and 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 the view is from behind. And so I'm sitting there. I'm sitting there. Um, with my knees up and my arms around my knees and so you know, like my elbows around my knees and the camera angle or like the way I'm seeing the image is from behind but lower for probably like lower back level looking up and then uh, I was like oh this is a beautiful image during breathwork I'm like this is so cool this is this is my this is my happy place right there watching a sunset with my dog Ben love it now a few weeks after breathwork I'm hanging out with a gal and we decided to go see the sunset. And uh, she's like, okay, where do you want to go? I'm like, well, let's go to this place, which is my go-to spot. She's like, okay, we could do that. But how about this place? I was like, well, I've never been there. And so we go to this location. We drive separately. Uh, and, and she's getting stuff out of her car. And I bring a blanket up to the spot. I set it down. I sit on it. And then you know, my, my, my dog, Ben, comes trotting over. And Ben sits next to me. I look at him. He's right next to me. I look at him. I look down. I look at the sun. I look at, and I pull my hat off my head. I see the blue backward hat. I look at the white shirt. I look at the sun 45 minutes away from setting. I look at the wheat, the, the wind blowing, and I go, holy effing shit. I've already seen <laughs> this moment. It was wild. And of course, the thinking mind tried to wrap its head around it, but I just was like, whoa, I'm not even going to try on this one <laughs> and it ended up being an incredible sunset powerful powerful stuff lauren and how has life been post-retreat life has been good i um have really stayed in touch with lots of folks uh from the retreat that has been really helpful uh we do a lot of marco polo so i get to see them uh which i'm not sure if anyone's familiar with marco polo but it is sort of like test text messaging FaceTimes, I guess you would say. Uh, short little video clips you send back and forth. Uh, so that has been nice to really stay in touch. I guess my um, recovery routines have changed uh, a little bit, absolutely. Um, as much as I will always appreciate AA and for what it gave me um, when I really needed something, 
I am having a little bit of a hard time with meetings lately because I don't want to sit around and think about the worst years of my life. I don't think that is very helpful. I found the steps helpful and I am going to continue with my sponsor in the steps. Uh, So I do go into meetings here and there, but not a whole bunch. Um, I did find this great uh, recovery meditation that is in Brookline, Massachusetts. Uh, It's at a meditation center. So you do a 30-minute meditation, and then a reading is read, and then there is a discussion about the reading. Uh, I think it's great because you don't have to say the dreaded words, hi, I'm Lauren, I'm an alcoholic. Uh, You can just say, hey, I'm Lauren, and that is cool. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Love it. (laughs) Because I think those words keep so many people out of AA. So that's been great. You know, nothing too remarkable. Lauren, earlier you mentioned alcohol is just the start. With At the time of this recording, you're approaching a year. What are you working on right now? What internally says, all right, Lauren, here's what we're going to blast through? Uh, emotions. Still working on emotions. Um, I think I spent so long ignoring them uh, that I need to still sit in things. Uh, so I am working on, you know, feeling the feels. Uh, being present. What do you mean when you say sit in things? Stay with it. Um, Do my best to not judge what I'm feeling. You know, don't be sad because I'm feeling sad. Um, Don't double down. Yeah, yeah, don't double down. That'll get you. (laughs) Every time. (laughs) I am so mad that I'm mad right now. I'm going to make this so much worse than it needs to be. (laughs) Yeah. That's not super helpful. Yeah. Oh, but 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 it's okay if I'm anxious that I'm being anxious. That's no, that's not fine. No, let's nope, not do nope, that either. That's not good either. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really, just being present because I think um, when I was active in addiction, I was constantly living in the past or spinning out about the future. So really, just being in the moment. Listeners, you might hear the word being present. Um, I know when I first started this journey, I'm like, present, got it, all right, nailed it, yep, oh, hear that again. But it might be the holy grail of all moments. And the reason why it's so hard to comprehend is you can't understand it with words. It's just, And it's a concept that Eckhart Tolle says, many big-time spiritual teachers say, you can't explain it with words, it has to be felt. But one quick technique to pull you out of the mind, which sometimes only works for a fraction of a second or for a couple seconds, when you're going through the feels, be it anxiety, depression, etc., is locate an outside sound. And regardless of where you're at, it can be a fan, or a sound outside of your head. It could be a, a fan, it could be a refrigerator, it could be a squirrel, it could be a train, it could be traffic, it could be the hum in your computer. Locate that and put intense focus on that because it'll pull you out of your mind, even if it's for a couple seconds. But if you repeat this process over and over and over, that half second will turn into one, turn into two, turn into three to four to five, and you get the point. And so, yeah, presence. Can it be that simple? It is. It's just a difficult concept to articulate because it can't be said in words. And Lauren, I got one more question before we hit the rapid fire round. What's on your bucket list in an alcohol-free life? Good one. Uh, We are so fortunate and travel a ton. Uh, So keeping up with travel, I love showing our daughter the world. Uh, Just getting that in as much as we can. Love it. And we have reached the rapid fire round. Are you ready? Ready. What is a rapid fire? Wait, real quick. Where where do you want to travel the world? Sorry about that. I just heard that. Like, All right, rapid fire round. Let's back it up a bit. (laughs) Big world, a lot of places. Where do you want to go? Oh, where do I want to go? I think South America is next. There we go. Cool. Big country. We're in South America. <laughs> oh, I know. I really, I haven't even narrowed it down. And I'm going to say big continent, actually. <laughs> big country. That one gets me every time. Country and continent. Yeah. The same. <laughs> I got you. They're really tricky down there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we might do... Yeah, I've had people say, are we doing the Peru trip again? I think we might do that in 2022. So keep that in the back of your mind. All right. Yeah. All right. Rapid fire round. What is a light bulb moment you've had on this journey? I have to go back to that. It's not about alcohol anymore. I'm not stuck. I'm just keeping it moving. There we go. That's a big one. And what is a memorable moment a life without alcohol has given you? The fact that I have memories. Gosh, a memorable moment. This is a hard lightning one. I think just every day with my family is so different that it's memorable. 
What's your favorite alcohol-free drink? Ooh, got to go with the LaCroix. What flavor? Papa Le Mousse. Yeah, we've got a lot in common, including that <laughs> one. What's your favorite resource? Um, I have been really into podcasts. That's what got me over here uh, to Recovery Elevator. I also love Trisha Lewis's uh, Recovery Happy Hour. And uh, I do a lot of reading on the temper. I think they um, are putting out a lot of good stuff lately, and they have a focus on parenting, which is really cool. There we go. And what parting piece of guidance can you give the listeners who are thinking about quitting drinking? Oh, you're worth it. You can do it. it it's hard, but there is so much out there waiting for you. Uh, go get it. Go get it. It's waiting for you. It also wants to find you as well. And before we depart, Lauren, give listeners your own customized you might need to ditch the booze if line. You might need to ditch the booze if you add Tito's to your spike seltzer. <laughs> oh, Lauren, this is the best way to start my day. Thank you so much for joining us. You Thank always you, bring Paul. a smile to my face. Another quick note on setting the why. The painful why, as in the backlog of bullshit, can be declared in a less poetic fashion, as in yell it out, square off with a punching bag, and lean into those painful messengers. The more important why, which is the happy life you're envisioning without alcohol, should turn into more of a choreographed dance of sorts and become blissful. This can be done with headphones on while listening to the pianist Ludovico Iunadi. This can be done in nature and on your favorite walk. And this eventually will become the best part of your day. And if it's the best part of your day, why would you want to depart from that feeling, that thought, the emotion of your better life? Why would you want to depart from that moment? Recovery Elevator. You took the elevator down. You got to take the stairs back up. We can do this.